in your step. Try this on for size. It's pop. Tastes great. It makes you feel kind of funny. Not here. Not down there. But all up in this area. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pop After Dark. I'm Nick and I am on my own for this episode. Um, myself and Ben... Well, actually, I don't know if Ben has seen this, but uh, we've seen Dark Phoenix and also I've seen Men in Black International. And we will be recording an episode about those two stinkers, I mean, um, those two films, sooner rather than later. But the film that this episode is about, as the title suggests, is Rocket Man. And it's a film that I have seen myself. Ben hasn't seen it. And it's been out a couple of weeks, three weeks at this point, I think, in the UK, two weeks in the States. And um, it's a start of summer blockbuster season, so I know it's not getting a whole lot of love at the moment. And uh, I really wanted to talk about this film. So here we go. So Rocket Man, as I'm sure you can gather by the title, is a biopic about Elton John. I'm pretty sure you've heard of him. I'm sure you know some of his music. And it stars Taron Egerton, and it is directed by uh, Dexter Fletcher, who people from the UK will know from things like Press Gang. He was also uh, Soap in Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, and of late has kind of moved into directing he directed Eddie Eagle, also starring Taron Egerton, and he also took over on Bohemian Rhapsody towards the end when Brian Singer was uh, was axed from that project. He came in and uh, completed that film. He wasn't given co-director status or director status because of something to do with the um, Screenwriters Guild of America, I think it was. Uh, in terms of how much involvement he'd, he'd had with the finished products, something along those lines. But yeah, he was brought in to kind of finish that off and um, then started on this. Um, it's produced uh, by Rocket Pictures, which is Elton John and David Furnish's uh, film company, as well as Marv, which is Matthew Vaughan's film company, who... Uh, I think I've had a hand in all of Dexter, Fletch, Dexter Fletcher's projects. And, uh, of course, Matthew Vaughan and him worked on the original Lockstock. So that's a little bit of background about it. Um, I'm a big fan of Elson John. When I was growing up, not really quite so much. I didn't really hear much of his music in my household. I knew him, obviously, from... The Lion King probably more than anything else when I was growing up. And it was only, I think it was 2002, 2003, he'd released a Greatest Hits album, which I bought. And just because I knew there was a few songs in it that I liked. And it was then that I heard for the first time things like Benny and the Jets and The Bitches Back, songs I had no idea about at all. I think it's probably the first one I heard, uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road as well. Um, and it really kind of just blew me away. I thought, man, I, I really should have paid more attention to this guy. 
um, growing up. So I've been a fan of him ever since. In 2012, I went to Las Vegas with my um, cousins and we were going to watch boxing. Amir Khan was fighting and the fight a few days before being called off. So we got our money back for the boxing and my cousin said, look, I've seen him here already, but Elton John's playing at Caesars. Um, would you be all right going to see him? And I'll be honest, because I knew that, you know, he was not getting younger and I've seen quite a few artists that are kind of well past their prime um, in their later years. Yes, Paul McCartney, unfortunately, I'm kind of looking at you there. Um, I can't say I was elated to go and see him, but I was like, you know, you know, we're in Vegas and, you know, he's got his own residency at Caesars Palace. It was called the Million Dollar Piano, um, which I made jokes about because I thought, how can a piano cost a million dollars? And um, But lo and behold, we, we went to see him in instead of going to see the boxing. And he was phenomenal. Really, really good. And where he's had trouble with his, his uh, vocal cords over the years, they've kind of rearranged the music so that um, it now suits his voice, which I think a lot of artists don't do as they get older. They still try and play the songs as if they were, you know, in their 30s, not in their 70s. So I, I kind of admired him for that, for you know, taking the time to recompose the music to suit his voice. So anyway, I'm a big fan anyway, and I saw the trailers for this uh, towards the end of last year. And unlike Bohemian Rhapsody, which I really wasn't that much of a fan of, which was a very standard kind of biopic, you know, looks at how the, the band came together and a bit about how Freddie, you know, Freddie Mercury's childhood and him growing up as a teen and, and getting into Queen. Um, it was very safe and it was quite pedestrian. And, you know, he he didn't do, he sang in the film, but what they did is they mixed his vocals with somebody who uh, is one of the, the best Freddie Mercury tribute singers in the world as well as Freddie Mercury's own recordings. So you weren't really hearing, um, oh man, I can't remember what his name is now, but the uh, guy who played Freddie Mercury in that film, anyway. Um, it'll come to me later. So yeah, it wasn't really him singing in the film. Uh, Taron Egerton, they made a big thing about the fact that he was doing all his own singing. And as uh, as a parent to, to young children, I'd seen the film sing and Taron Egerton in that sings I'm Still Standing and it was that performance that um, had kind of got Elton John to consider him for the film because originally um, as it, it, they've tried to make it a few times this film or a version of Elton John's life and at one point Justin Timberlake was tipped to it and then more recently Tom Hardy was who is a great actor but I don't think, I think he was probably a bit too old to play Elton John because of the period in his life that this film covers. So I'm really glad that they went with Taron Ter Egerton. And I mean, he's a great actor. After going to watch this film, we watched The Eagle, which my, my wife had not been that bothered about watching because 
the story didn't really interest her. But you, when you go back and watch that after seeing Rocket Man, you can see how Dexter Fletcher has kind of evolved as a director, I think. And I think Eddie Eagle is actually a really good piece of work. But Rocket Man is just, it's a work of art. So we mentioned already, or I mentioned already, that Taron Egerton plays um, Reginald Dwight who is uh, how Elton John was born. That's his real name. Uh, again, I'm sure many people know that. Um, and Jamie Bell, who is probably still most famous for Billy Elliot, but he's done a lot since then. Um, he plays... Um, oh, God. I've just forgotten his name. I was just looking it up as well. Uh, Bernie Taupin. Um, and it, the film starts off looking at Elton John's childhood and it's it's him as uh, a young boy and then uh, also there's a kind of like young teenage version of Elton John as well that you see and then Taron Egerton plays um, the, the adult Elton John like late teens onward and um, it explores his home life and how he was growing up as well as uh, you know, how he became Elton John uh, and how he started writing these amazing songs with with Bernie Taupin, and I'm sure most people are, are kind of aware of you know if you if you like Elton John you'll be aware of this of the relationship between him and Bernie and the fact that Bernie Taupin writes these amazing lyrics and sends them to Elton John and then Elton John makes the music and that's how they make all of those songs. Um, and that's how they've always made songs and they've, they've written music together. Um, it's really unique. You know, Lennon and McCartney didn't do that. They'd sit and, you know, write together and, and play, you know, bits of music to each other to, to kind of get that creative uh, juice flowing. Um, Bernie would just write the lyrics and Elton would make the music work around them um, and just fascinating. Um, Bryce Dallard Howard... Bryce Dallas Howard even um, plays his mum. Uh, she's probably best known now for Jurassic World, as well as being Ron Howard's daughter. Um, she does a good English accent. I'll give her that. Um, and you see, you see, like his his childhood, and it wasn't all uh, sunshine and rainbows, and it kind of helps shape um, who he is and and, and what he becomes. Um, you see the relationship with his dad and that um, also kind of plays into a lot of this and um, you know again shapes shapes who he is and you also see how Elton tries to hold back um, being gay which you know is something that we saw kind of play out in real life you know he got married in the 80s um, not didn't last very long and he came out not long afterwards and you know it was one of the kind of first artists I remember coming out as gay really um, at a time when it was still quite tough to do so but the film as I said is, is a piece of art unlike something like Bohemian Rhapsody where it goes from you know here's Freddie Mercury here he meets Queen here they write songs here they become a big band, here they spiral a little bit, here's where they come back, here's where he dies. This film 
covers his life from a child through to the 80s. But unlike most biopics, the music in a film is not in the order that the music was made. So the film starts off with a version of The Bitch is Back. Um, it start, the, the film starts with adult Elton John um, in, an, in a, an AA meeting or... Yeah, it was an AA meeting. And um, it breaks into The Bitch is Back, going, looking back at his childhood. And uh, a bit later on, when you see how his, his home life is as a small child... Um, he or, or the song that the the cast are singing then is uh, "I Want Love," which came out in the early two thousands. So the music here is used to anchor what's going on with the film in that particular time, rather than "Oh look, now we're going to write Tiny Dancer," mm. or "This is where I wrote Goodbye Yellow Brick Road." And the music is actually used to bring the whole film together, and also as well. It, it's kind of like a fantasy. It reminds me a little bit of Across the Universe, which was a film about the Beatles. Sorry, a film about the music of the Beatles. Um, it wasn't actually about the band the Beatles, but um, the music was used in that in that kind of way. And a lot of that was um, very flamboyant. Was you know elements of fantasy with um, how things happened in the film. It wasn't you know very linear. And this reminds me a lot of that. And it just really got me emotionally. It, it just felt like I wasn't watching a film. I was really, I really was, I keep using the word, but I really was watching a piece of art. And that is what I think makes, it takes a film being great to being something else because it, it felt more than a film felt much more personal than that and much more special um, than that. And I said, like, I'm not, I'm not religious. Like, you know, I used to go to church and stuff when I was a kid and I'm religious for a little bit of my, of my youth, but I'm not religious now. I don't really believe in religion of any kind. But, you know, if I had to call it anything, like the cinema is like my church. That is a place that I go to. And I go there to kind of worship at film because that's how important film is to my life. That's how I feel about it. And seeing this film was like an emotional experience. Like the film finished and the credits are rolling and I'm crying, my wife is crying and I couldn't speak and we didn't get up straight away. We, we, sat through most of the credits and then we got up and then she's talking to me about how special she thought it was and everything like that and I, I couldn't speak I tried a few times to actually speak and I was literally left speechless like I just could not believe what I'd witnessed and it wasn't until we kind of got back in the car and we started driving that I was able to muster some words out and I mean she didn't like me saying this but I said rocket man for me, made Bohemian Rhapsody look like some Channel 5 or Hallmark TV movie about a band called Queen, rather than being this big thing that everyone has, has hyped up. Remy Malik, that was the actor. I just remember what his name is now. Um, 
you know, I, I just didn't really. I just thought it was very standard. I, I didn't think it was it was particularly good. I, I considered the hype around it. I was quite disappointed when I finally watched Bohemian Rhapsody, and this just felt like something else. I just felt like I was on another plane. It was. It was incredible, and um, I've not gone back to see it yet. I will do before it comes out of the cinema. Um, I said the reason for getting this review out now, even though this podcast doesn't have a particularly large audience, is just because I really think it's a film worth your time to see. At the moment, we've got uh, Aladdin still doing really well. We've got Secret Life of Pets 2. Uh, Godzilla came out, X-Men Dark Phoenix came out, Men in Black International has just come out, Toy Story 4 is just about to come out at the end of this week, um, Spider-Man Far From Home is just a few weeks away. We've got a lot of big films coming out at the moment, and this film has done pretty well, considering its budget. I'm just having a look now. Uh, it was budgeted at, at 40 million and it's so far done 133. So it's it's doing well, but it's a very busy period that it's in. And I just don't think it will get the, the recognition it will it will deserve to get really. Um and and the soundtrack is good. The soundtrack's really good because it takes his songs and it's the songs, the, the composition is, is reimagined. So they're not just, here's what the original song sounded like. Again, these songs have been adapted and turned around to fit the narrative of the film. Um, most of the cast sing on those songs. So Taron Egerton, obviously, you've got the two younger people that play Elton John that they sing songs as well. Um, Bryce Dallas, Dallas Howard does a bit of singing. Uh, Gemma Jones, who is one of those actresses that's been in loads of stuff over the years. Um, she does. Jason Pennycook, another one of those actors that you see a lot and, and don't necessarily uh, understand where you've seen him. Steve McIntosh. Um, Rachel Muldoon makes a, an appearance as Kiki D. Um, just, just, just all these people singing, and none of them, you know, actual real singers and yet all the songs sound great and another reason so uh, so i said i hadn't been back to see it yet my wife did she was and we went and saw um endgame together after seeing separately we went to see it together we went to see it together um but my wife is not one of these people that is desperate to go back and see a film she's quite happy she likes the film she'll wait for it to come out on digital, well, like she'll she'll buy on digital. She's awful. Uh, I still buy Blu-rays because the quality's better. Um, but she wanted to go back and see it um, with some of her friends, uh, um, like our, our mum's friends from from school. So our daughters all play together, and she went with a few of the mums who weren't interested in seeing it. And she was like, she come into school the next day and said, oh, you need to go and see this film. I'm going to go and see it again if you want to come with me. So a few of them did. And they were converted as well. They they loved it. And and they weren't really big out John fans, but they, they now have a new appreciation. And um, my wife went and bought the soundtrack and um, she's been playing it a lot at home and in the car. And that has piqued the interest of my daughter, who's only six, 
and she loves it and she's got her favorite songs already and you know and that's what's great about these these kind of films when they happen is it can um it can start the passion of a new artist to someone that isn't familiar with that artist's work. So we played some Elton John before to her, but never liked full albums or anything like that. So this is the first time, this is the first real experience of hearing Elton John songs. And um, my daughter loves it. And I mean, the only, and it's not a negative because I think it's actually really good they've done this in the film, but they don't hold back on Elton John's relationships at all and it's probably the most graphic sex scene I've seen in a mainstream Hollywood film a gay sex scene and um, in Russia they've I mean it's awful what they've done in Russia not only have they cut any kind of reference to um, him you know kissing any man or um, you know being in a relationship with any man all of that stuff's been cut out of the film but on top of that as well They've actually cut out at the end of the film when they talk about the fact that Elton John um, has been uh, happy with David Furnish for however many years it's been. So they've even written that note out of the film, which is just shocking. And that's because of um, the laws in Russia around uh, homosexuality, which you'd have thought were written in uh, the 1800s, not you know 2000. Uh, 17 or 18, whatever these were, laws were implemented, it's, it's madness. Um, but the, the, the problem is, is that it's a film that we won't be able to show my daughter until she's a bit older because it is a bit too adult. But the film is just just absolutely stunning. Um, I, I said, I can't remember. I mean, watching Endgame was emotional for all different kinds of reasons. And is still one of the best cinematic experiences I've ever had. But this is one of the best film experiences I've ever had. So I've never felt that way coming out of a film. It just just blew me away. Um, I really can't wait to see it again. I really hope it starts to get the love and recognition it deserves. I'll be shocked if it's not nominated for, uh, for Oscars for like, costume design and art and, and visuals and, and, and everything like that. Um, just just absolutely beautiful. And I just wanted to record this, ad, uh, this episode and put it out there in case you were on the fence about it or you didn't know if it was good, bad, whatever. I, I honestly recommend it. If you like the music, even in a, in a small way, if you like the music of Elton John, go and see this film. If you're not a massive fan of Elton John um, and you've got just a, a passing interest, go and see this film. If you're a massive fan, you are going to love this film. My cousin went to see it and, and, and he loved it. Um, I, I just can't recommend this film enough. It, it was so, so good. And um, I just want it to be seen by as many people as possible. I think it's a really good film. And having seen Dark Phoenix and Men in Black International after seeing this film, uh, I think it, it makes it even more apparent why this needs to be a, a massive hit. And I hope it gets the, the love it deserves. I hope it gets the audience it deserves. You know, I, I want it to be 
you know, Bohemian Rhapsody big. I was going to say Great Showman, but they're completely different types of film, really, although they're musicals. Um, but, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody was this massive film and, and it got all this attention and didn't deserve a Best Oscar nomination, but it got one anyway. Um, I want Rocket Man to get the same recognition, if not more, because it really, really deserves it. Um, there's nothing more I can say about this film. I, I adore it. Um, I'll be buying it when it comes out. I will be going to see it again at the cinema as long as it's still being shown. Um, I reckon I'll have to get in there before Toy Story 4 comes out, so I better get my skates on. But um, yeah, Rocket Man, 11 out of 10. Go and see it. Absolutely brilliant film. You will not regret it. And that's it for this episode of Pop After Dark. I've managed to talk alone about a film for almost 25 minutes, so I hope I haven't bored you, Rigid. Thank you for sticking on this far. And we will be back with another episode about Dark Phoenix and MIB International very soon. This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network. <laughs>